Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher, and let's pray. Father, thank you for meeting us here. Lord, I pray that you would be with our words today, be with Sean in the booth. He's by himself, so bless him today. I'm by myself here, so bless me today. Lord, guide our steps today. Be with what we say, the words that we speak. Your word says, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Search us, O Lord, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there's any wicked way about us and lead us in the way of everlasting. Lord, we want to do this for you. We ask that your word would come forth. Anoint us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's you and me, kid, today. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, So it's getting close to Christmas, and you would think that I would be talking about something to do with Christmas. Got my little Christmas sweater on. But, you know, we're we're in Psalm 53 today, and it's going to feel like I've jumped around in the Psalms. But I'm trying to go in order. It's just that some of our tape shows are not going to show until later. So we're in Psalm 53. And so let's go ahead and read that. I'm reading out of the NIV. I know that some of you don't care for that, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with it today. Father, I pray that you would give us understanding of your word and Lord, that we could tuck your word in our hearts so that it would come forth when we need it. <clears throat> okay. Um, I've used the scripture many times, especially for people that say they don't believe in God. But I think here it's really meant for everyone. You know, it's I I believe that David is kind of saying it kind of to the masses, because at one time we were all fools. We were all not believers in God. So So here we go. Yes, Lord, give us understanding. So this is Psalm 53, verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. And, you know, I want to, I hope I wrote this down. I I think it's Psalm 3. I mean, um, I think it's it's Romans chapter 3 and where it says there is no one who does good. I want to just jump over here to Romans 3. I didn't mark it, but I can find it quickly. I can hear my son saying, Mom, why didn't you mark your your Bible here? Okay, so Psalm 3, and I'm going to start in verse 9, and it says, What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. It's it's telling us, you know, here that there's 
no good in us. There's not one good person but Jesus. And we all need him as our savior. But let's let's carry on. I'm going to go back to um, Psalm. <clears throat> God looks down from heaven. I'm in verse two. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Just like I read over here, there is no one righteous, not not one except Jesus and the Lord, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Will the evil doers ever? Nev- will the evil doers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread, and who do not call on God. There they were, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen and amen. God is the only one that can restore. He's the one that we need in time of trouble. He's the one that we need to call on when um, the enemy attacks. There's no one good. You know, we sit here only because of the righteousness of God that we wear. When we accept Jesus into our heart, it's not that we're so righteous. It's that his righteousness clothes us. And so we're so grateful for that. Um, Thank you for your word, Lord. I was thinking about this chapter here, a fool says in their heart, there is no God. But this morning, I thought I would talk about how much God loves us and how he protects the righteous one. He protects those that are righteous. And now I just said there's no righteous one, no, not one. But as I said earlier, it's his righteousness that we wear and his protection over us um, is is that righteousness. I I was thinking about how, um, you know, we're all hunkering down right now. Some of us are self-quarantining. Um, um, some of us that are in that elderly age have to keep ourselves indoors because of, you know, the COVID. And I wanted to talk about a couple of places, maybe two or three places in the Bible where people had to hunker down because of plagues. People had to, you know, they didn't wear masks then, but they had to get inside and close that door so that they wouldn't be ravaged with those plagues that came across. And that's really what we have right now is plagues. And I kind of think this plague that we have, this COVID thing, as part of it is sin. There's always some kind of sin connected here. And maybe not for all of us, but this plague in the Bible, a lot of it was connected to sin or or where people kind of hid away and to protect themselves, it was usually connected with some sin. Not always. I don't want to make a blanket statement. But I first want to talk about um, the plagues of Egypt. That's 
so plain as day, right? So here was, and obviously that's in um, in Exodus, but here was Pharaoh um, enslaving the Egyptian. I mean, enslaving the Israelites, and Moses was asking Pharaoh to let his people go. And the one thing that I remembered um, about this is that Pharaoh just kept saying no. Um, And plague after plague after plague. Do you remember how many plagues there were? Um, I see, like, can't see your fingers. Oh, is there seven? um, There were ten. You know, ten. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of thought seven too. I don't know why. Before I, that, I but... jumped into the word, <laughs> um, but how many do we need before we get the picture that we've got to change our ways or something? But here was Pharaoh. You know, um, Moses really didn't want to speak to Pharaoh. If you recall, he's um, he says, you know, I. I'm not really good with speaking. I, I say that myself. You know, I have times that I stutter here. and But he didn't want to do it. And and God said, take Aaron with you and you guys go. And Pharaoh said, no, he's not going to let the people go. As a matter of fact, he says, when Moses says, you know, the Lord God of Israel said to let my people go, he says, who is this God? And I thought of that scripture, a fool will say in their heart, there is no God. But, you know, they're worshiping these dead gods there in Egypt. And he's saying, who is this God that you're talking about? Like, you know, I I don't need to listen to him. So, you know, the first plague comes along and it's he turns water, all the water, all over. Egypt turns to blood, but God protects the Israelites. You know, he puts them in their house and they're safe in there and their stuff doesn't, doesn't, the plagues don't hit the Israelites. He protects them. They're, they're in their little homes protected. And then they go back and say, you know, um, let my people go, he's telling uh, the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, no, again. So here comes another plague. And um, there's frogs everywhere. <laughs> there's, I, I mean, when you read the scripture, it really talks about, you know, the frogs being everywhere. Um, except where the Israelites were. They were protected. And then, you know, the third, the lice comes and it hits the people, hits hits the animals too. And then there's the flies and um, and the locusts and, well, the diseased livestock and, and then boils and it goes on until the number 10 plague, um, which is, you know, the life of the first, firstborn. And, you know, Pharaoh is so worn out. Well, the the thing that 
I wanted to talk about about these plagues is this is where the Passover comes is God tells Moses to for those the all of is all these Israelis need to put that blood of the lamb over their doorpost to protect them and he shuts them in their homes and all their firstborn are protected you know we can wear that mask you know in our homes or outside our homes we can shut our doors and keep ourselves hunkered down and self quarantine we can't do anything without god protecting us people are getting sick in their homes i don't know how i don't know if it's coming through the mail i i i have no idea but i i'm hearing that you know people are getting sick it's it's god's protection and yes we have to be careful we have to wash our hands and watch ourselves but if not for god protecting the israelites they would be gone if not for god protecting us we would you know maybe catch this covid thing and by the way i do know people that have caught it and some have almost died fortunately i don't really know anyone you know other than people that i read about in the news that have actually died of covid not nobody that i really know i know friends of friends and friends that have lost people but um praise be to god you know so far we've been protected but we need the protection of god these these israelites relied on the god of abraham isaac and jacob to protect them <clears throat> and so i also want to give you another example of people hunkering down people isolating themselves to protect themselves from whatever wrath is coming or whatever i wouldn't say wrath maybe maybe it is wrath but whatever is coming and what a better example of god's protection but noah and the ark i mean talk about hunkering down those guys really had to isolate themselves completely um so let me take you to um let me take you to we're going to noah and what i wanted to talk about with noah um in genesis 5 and i probably should have started with noah but um let me see genesis 5 here we go so noah as you probably know was a really old man when he started to build the ark it says here in genesis 5:32 after noah was 500 years old he became the father of shem ham and japhet 500 years talk about an old man he hadn't even built the ark yet <clears throat> his father lived noah's father lived um 
777 years, then he died. I mean, th these people were living a long, long time in those days. And that's because the air was better and the food was better. And, and they were, you know, so much closer to the time of God. But anyhow, they were living longer. And, and God told Noah to build this ark. At that time that God instructed Noah to build this ark, sin was rampant. Um, let me just start reading um, in Genesis 6. And I'm going to start in, let me see. Let's start in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. So people were thinking of evil things to do day and night. Kind of like now, Sean. I mean, there's all kinds of wickedness going on. Let me just name a few. Sure. Um, children getting kidnapped and forced into sex slavery. I mean, if that isn't and, and that's a big to-do. I mean, yeah. that guy that got arrested and then killed himself in jail, what was his name? Epstein or oh, yeah. whatever his name Jeffrey is. Jeffrey Epstein. I, I, I can't even imagine that. But the names of people that were involved in that type of sin, still there are, is running rampant. And I just talked to a guy who has a ministry to truckers. And pornography and sex with minors are high on the list of things that he ministers to these people about. I can't even imagine that. I mean, I'm thinking stealing, robbing a bank. No, this goes way beyond that. Um, identity theft. Um you know, I, I thought about Rahab and how, you know, God saved Rahab out of all those people. You know, the walls came tumbling down and she got out with, you know, Joshua. But she, she was a prostitute. Prostitutes are a dime a dozen today, but they want them younger. It's so sickening. Um, lying and cheating and stealing and all the things that you think about the Big Ten, it doesn't even compare to what's going on now. The Bible says, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. And that's the kind of stuff we're having today. I know I've been beating this drum a few times, but I'm really, I'm really thinking, so all this plague stuff going on and all this lying and cheating that's going on today, it's just it's just troublesome. But this is last day stuff, right, Sean? Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, it says here, and, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Gosh, if you can even imagine that. Let's keep reading. The Lord was grieved that he had made man in the earth, 
and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that and and creatures that move all along the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, the Lord looked around and thought, Noah is the guy. He, his three sons, their wives, his wife. That's it. <clears throat> but Noah was the man that... Um, now, here he was building this ark um, to the to the dimensions that God had called him to do out of the, out of this um, gopher wood. Was it gopher wood um, that God had, you know, told him what to use the pitch and the dimensions of each room. And, and it took him, I think over a hundred years to build, but he was so exact about telling Noah what to do so that they could be hidden and protected in this ark. <clears throat> and so Noah follows God's instructions on what to do and that the flood is coming. And I, you can imagine that people were saying to him, Noah, what's this ark for? What are you doing? day in and day out, building this big boat. There's not even any water around here. What do you think you're doing with this big boat? And, you know, he's telling them to repent. And I, I can imagine that once the flood started to come, they were probably banging on the door of this ark, wanting to get in. But it was too late. So um, I do want to read, I do want to read chapter eight, where it talks about um, the flood. And let's see, let me, let me, hang on just a second. Let me, let me go to um, chapter seven. And it says here in chapter seven, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in the generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, two of every clean and unclean animal, a male and its mate. So God wanted to make sure that they would have enough um, animals to do sacrifice as well as to repopulate the land. So it goes on to say, you know, all of the things that, um, that Noah's going to put in the ark. And then he says, seven days from now, this is verse four, seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe out from the face of the earth, every living creature I made. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came. So it took him a hundred years to build this ark. And, and the, the floodwaters came on the earth and Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. 
pairs of clean and unclean animals of birds. I'm sorry, unclean, clean and unclean animals of birds and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah. You know, the Lord, by his spirit, just called these animals to come to Noah and get into that ark. Came to, came to Noah and entered the ark as God commanded Noah. After the seven days, the flood waters came onto the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day and the second month of that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened up. Rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, rain fell from the sky and waters burst from the earth and the floods came. And on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhet, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings, pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then, this is the part I love so much, Sean. It says, then the Lord shut them in. You know, when we close our doors at night, we, we just, you know, have to pray that the Lord just protects us. But look at this. You know, I've seen pictures, and I probably should have brought one for, for you today, of what they think the ark looked like. And this was like a big ramp door that the animals walked up on. And, and it, it was huge. It probably was so big that maybe Noah couldn't even lift it himself or he didn't have an electronic thing that went up. God had to shut that door and lock them in tight to protect them from the flood. There was no leaking that was going to happen. God was going to take care of that. He shut them in and shut them in tight to protect them from the waters. I mean, wow, talk about hunkering down, right? Talk about being isolated. There are eight people in that ark with all those animals protected, floating away on this while the earth was being flooded. I mean, if you can imagine how God wanted to protect these people, that's how he wants to protect us. He loves us. And it's not because we're saved that he loves us. The Bible says he loves everybody the same, whether we're saved or not. And now is the time. I I worry about different things, and God says not to worry. But we're in a very, very difficult time right now. People are out of jobs. 
Um, people are asked to not work. The state is closing down. People were just kind of getting back on their feet. And then Newsom says, no, we're going to shut this down. Um, and, you know, there is something to be concerned about. I don't want to throw caution to the wind and say this this plague, I'm calling it a plague, this COVID thing is not a real thing. Of course it is. We have to be careful. And things are waxing worse. But I do believe that God protects us too. Um, I, I do think that we have to self-distance, you know, that six feet apart is good. I do believe in washing our hands. I, When out in public, wearing a mask is always good. But having God's protection around us all the time is what we need. And God is ready to do that for us. We need him to watch over us and protect us. Just like they did with Noah. Just like he did with Noah. <clears throat> so, yeah, it says here that God shut him in for 40. This is verse 17 now. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. And they rose greatly on the earth, and, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to the depth of more than 20 feet. So we're talking about the Himalayans, um, um, the mountains everywhere were covered so high, the highest mountain, it was covered over 20 feet. And here was Noah and his family bouncing around in the ark, protected by God. And and yes, he was a righteous man, but he was righteous because he, you know, believed in Yahweh. He he knew the Father. And and that's how God is to us. He he's a relationship God. He wants to have a relationship with us. He he brought Jesus as a man into the earth world so that he could be our savior and we could have a relationship with him, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. The birds, the livestock, the wild animals, and all the creatures that swarmed all over the earth, all mankind, everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils died. Everything on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped out of the, from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark, including all those animals, two of a kind. Seven, um, and you know, they, they had seven of um, pairs that were probably used for, um, for, for sacrifice. Or, or maybe for food. Um, but anyway, we know the story. They were saved. And, and just like we're asking the Lord to keep us safe so we can be saved from this plague that we, we're going through right now. And who knows what we can believe out there. Uh, you know, nobody's really telling the truth, it seems. And so I would like to talk about another time that God 
allowed somebody to hunker down and um, and he saved them. And so I'm going to briefly just talk about um, Jonah. And so we have Jonah who's being asked by the Lord to go to Nineveh and he does not want to go. And I kind of don't blame him um, because let's face it, the people in Nineveh were really bad. Um, and, you know, it just speaks to mankind in general. I, I you know, I, I started with a fool that will say in the, their heart, there is no God. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Every sing, single chance that people have, they go down that wrong road. And so here is Jonah, who um, who is asked by the Lord to go to Nineveh and bring the word of God to them. And he really doesn't want to go, and I don't blame him. And he's saying, you know, he's on this boat, and as you know, he gets thrown off the boat because there's a storm, and the people realize it's got to be this guy that's on the boat that's causing um, us to, you know, just maybe lose our way here. And he gets tossed off the boat. And and just when you think things are really, really bad for Jonah, he gets swallowed by a whale. We all know that story. I, I remember when I wasn't saved and I first heard that story, I actually thought it was just a fairy tale. And now that I've, you know, am saved, I realize that everything in God's word is true. And um, as I was looking up some of the stuff um, in in preparing for today, it doesn't possibly look like I'm pre I'm prepared, but I just heard from the person that was going to be on my show that they weren't going to be on my show. So um, I kind of rushed through this. But, you know, scientists are always trying to prove that the Bible is, you know, f fake. They 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 don't believe in you know the plagues of Egypt and if you go to Wikipedia they'll sh they'll tell you why um, those plagues didn't really happen and it must have been a, um, uh, a a volcano that happened and caused some of these plagues. No, it happened just the way the Bible says it happened. We'll wait for science to finally catch up with the Bible because it eventually will. But anyway, um, Jonah flees from God. Um, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh, and he gets tossed off the boat. And finally, he says, "Okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh." And that's a big ask, you know, from God when He says, "Go here or go there." Um, I remember when the Lord had asked Mark and I to minister to Muslims. I said to the Lord, "Gosh, Lord, I really love the Jewish people." Can we go and minister to the Jewish people? Why does it have to be the Muslims? Because, you know, you hear about Muslims with their swords cutting off heads and things like that. I, I didn't want that for myself, but God called us to that ministry, and it was really a love that he had to put in our hearts for Muslim people. And every chance we have, we do that. We share with Muslim people. And I just had a, heard a testimony not long ago, just a few days ago, um, where this person was here in America for years, and she just assumed everybody would be talking to her about Jesus, or everybody would try to convert her to become a Christian. And she was here like 20 years, and not one person that she worked with or lived next to ever talked to her about Jesus. 
And that's the way it is today. And so that's why we go to the mosque. That's why when we see somebody wearing that hijab, we're so quick to tell them Jesus loves them. And it's usually well-received. They've never heard that before. Please, you you know, here we are going to church every Sunday or now that we're, some of us aren't going to church, we're at least watching, you know, our church on, on TV or through the internet. We are so well-schooled, us Christians. We should be talking to everybody about Jesus, letting them know. We have all the answers right here. We know everything, not everything, but we know more than the average person, just the fact that we're going to church. We need to share Christ with people. This is the time. The time is short. Anyhow, Jonah goes to Nineveh, and I just want to um, uh, just read one part here um, where Jonah, it says here in Jonah 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to it the message I gave you or I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Let me turn the page. And went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A a visit required three days. So he goes, he preaches the gospel to them. He tells them exactly what God tells them to do. And they they turn to God. They give their hearts to God. They wear that sackcloth. And they, good news, they all turn from their wicked ways and repent. Just what God had planned. Well, I don't know if you guys remember the story, but Jonah gets so upset that they did. Why would he think that? I mean, I would think he'd be thrilled. But anyway, everything works out here. But Jonah was protected in the belly of the whale. He could have drowned. He got thrown off that boat. He was like in a protected cocoon. I mean, I'm sure there was, I don't know, maybe acid from the whale's belly. But God protected him anyway. He did not drown. He did not die. And he got sent right there and, you know, the whale spit him out. So there he was, protected, not with a mask on, not in a house, but God found a way to protect him and bring him right to the shore safely to give that message. So just another way that God protects us. So we have three really good examples. And I kind of would like to end, I'm getting to the end here, with one more scripture um, of how God protects and saves us. And I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to use Jesus as an example. I hope I don't cry. Um, we all know that um, Jesus was with the disciples um, celebrating Passover. He knew that he was going to give his life for our sins. He knew that the cross was ahead of him. He knew that he would be shedding his blood on the cross for us. And he was talking to his disciples that night as they were sharing the bread and the wine and letting them know that it was time. And of course, <clears throat> he was arrested and, um, and he went willingly to the cross for your sins and mine. And 
I did. I do want to read this scripture here that talks about um, Jesus. <clears throat> so we all know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and on the th- and when he died, he was buried. Um, I'm going to read um, Luke twenty three. Uh, verse 50. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 50. Wait a second. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, it's verse 50. And so I'm in Luke 23, verse 50. And it says here, now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to the to their decision, hang on, and action. He had come from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down and wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in a rock, one which had no, no one, I'm sorry, one in which no one had been laid, meaning that he was putting Jesus in a brand spanking new tomb. Nobody had been there before. So Jesus was being put in a tomb that he didn't even own. It was a borrowed tomb. So anyway, um, let me keep reading. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The woman who came down, down, came with Jesus from Galilee, followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. So people saw that he was being laid in this tomb. <clears throat> then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. They were going to prepare Jesus's body to be entombed, but they had rested on the Sabbath in obedience with the command, with the commandment. The Jewish people at that time didn't work on the Sabbath, so they needed to be obedient to the Sabbath. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone had rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleaned gleamed like light lightning stood beside them in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here he is risen remember how he told you while he was still with you in galilee the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be crucified on the third day he will be raised again and this part is in red. So Jesus is talking to them. Okay. I'm sorry. I get so emotional about this. Jesus was in the tomb. God protected him. He was entombed there. They closed him in. He was dead. He died for us, but he rose again. That's a perfect example how God takes care of what he has to do. He went to the cross for us. He was entombed there for three days, died for our sins. God knew he was going to do that. That tomb was enclosed, not just to protect Jesus's body in there, because who knows, people might have wanted to do damage to him. There were there were guards, 
not just one or two guards, a whole troop of guards to watch that tomb. They didn't want, they thought the disciples might come and steal him. God protected that tomb so that Jesus on the third day would rise again. We serve a living God. I've been to that tomb. It is empty. Jesus on the third day rose again for your sins and mine. I just really wanted to share some of the ways as we're hunkering down, as we're trying to keep our mask on and stay protected. Don't forget God's protection for us. Yes, we have to keep ourselves careful and and mindful of you know the, the disease that's out there. And and there might be more. This might just be the beginning of several plagues that might be coming down. But God, we can't forget that. Jonah was protected in the whale. Noah and his family were protected in that ark. The Israelites were protected by putting the blood over their doorpost in their homes. God will protect you. Let's not be, you know, doing, you know, not washing our hands and not being careful. But God is there to protect you. He came. He died for you. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior ever and would like to give your heart to the Lord today, I would really ask you to follow me in a very simple, easy prayer, but mean it with your heart. Today would be the day of salvation for you. So if you'd like to follow me in this prayer, um, just mean it with your whole heart. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and raising from the dead on the third day. Wipe my heart as white as snow and forgive me of my sins of the past, present, and future. I want to follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and Savior today. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I repent of the things of the past, and I turn from my wicked ways, and I want to follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have said that prayer today and mean it with your whole heart, please let us know. We would love to give you a Bible. Write me at On the Road with Jesus. You'll find me on my website. You can email me or you can call here at Hope Radio here in Corona, California. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to help you find a good church to either go to, attend if they're open, or um, you can watch some really great um, messages online, and we can help you with that as well. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. 
Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. 